welcome to this week's episode of Stir It Up. This week, we got part two of Darkness with a Voice. This is a panel with people who have lost their sight later on in life, but continued on with their education, working, being a parent, being social, just doing all the things that people do before they lose their sight or growing up with sight, without sight. We uh, find out how they found strength and positive influences to continue on and not give up. So we're going to have Emilio from Texas, Roy Smith from Atlanta, Georgia, Stephanie Jones from Tennessee, and just to the south of us, we got Christine who resides in St. Paul, Minnesota. We also got my beautiful co-host and wife, Sherry Miller, joining the party, adding her opinion on things and asking a few questions. Now remember, we are on WordPress, Twitter, Periscope, and all the podcast platforms, forms, I'm sorry, stir it up and stir a spell with a U. And if you want to be on the show or send us a quick iMessage to ask things between shows, that will be stir it up at iCloud.com that's S-T-U-R-I-T-U-P at iCloud.com so let's start the show welcome to the Stir It Up podcast where this is part two of the series that I like to call Darkness with a voice. I can't even talk. So we got. I'm gonna do everybody that I know first. No offense, ladies. We got Emilio down in Texas. I've known you since what 2012. Something like that. It's been a good, good, good bit of time. Rory, you're even longer. We started a AAA together back in wow 2008. That's what. I can't even add 11 years. Eight. Yeah, we've been through a lot together. I know, no, you're right, 11. A, a couple of jobs, your mom's passing, everything. Yeah, it's been a while. Oh, Sherry says it's 2007. And speaking of Sherry, we got her with us. My other half, the other part of Story Up Studio, she makes the music for us and decided to join us on the park podcast. Say hello, Sherry. Hello, Sherry. <laughs> you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> then we got Stephanie. I don't know where you're from. I didn't recognize your area code. I am in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis. Home of the sh- blues. I should have known. You sounded like Randy from Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, uh, Sherry, we got Christina, who actually lives down in St. Pitiful. <laughs> oh, <laughs> pretty nice. <laughs> and we it's live actually, there. I don't, I don't want to be mean, but it's actually Christine. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, got no, a, okay. I, I got a, I got a cousin named Christina, so sorry about that. Oh well, she's worse than me. <laughs> so we are here to talk about sight that was lost later on in life now we had a, a episode a couple of weeks ago where we had three other people Emilio you actually sat in on that episode that's why I wanted you to come back because one I didn't want the women to dominate us and two <laughs> you know a little bit about the questions that I asked so if I forget anything we can uh we can uh touch on that so let's start with the people that I don't know Stephanie and I got a uh uh what you call it, a um, segment to record with you later because I find that very interesting about that menus anywhere or whatever it's called. Sorry if I misspoke. Menu for all. That That is a great, I mean, I was I was so excited to get that email about what you're doing for us to be able to plan our meals before we go, but that's a, we'll, we'll save that for the other episode. Why don't you tell us a okay. little bit about you 
and how old you were when you lost your sight? I was 29 when I lost my sight. So it has, I lost it October 2006. At the time I was a, I was 29. I had a brand new eight week old at home, a seven year old and a six year old. I was in the process of buying a house. I was the breadwinner for my family and I was starting my final year of prereqs for pharmacy school on Monday, the weekend I lost my sight. So I kind of didn't have sight loss planned in all of that. Okay. I mean, wow. I mean, so was it sudden overnight or did you know it was going to be, you know, coming? We had no idea it was coming. Apparently, I have a condition that caused a lumbar shunt to be placed when I was 19. Life was good. I had some peripheral loss at 19, but no one ever said anything about visual impairment or blindness. So you were driving and everything? Oh, I was doing everything I thought I was big and bad enough to do. Like I said, (laughs) I was preparing. um, I had just had my third child. I was a district pharmacy trainer for the Walgreens Memphis North District. I had 30 stores in six different cities, hired and trained pharmacy staffs, and was getting ready to go to pharmacy school myself. Okay. Yeah, so I wasn't planning for sight loss. That was not on the horizon. Wow. I didn't see see it coming. And one of the reasons that the the sight loss actually took place is my doctors misdiagnosed my shunt failure. And because of that, it caused pressure to build up. Okay. Um, I think we lost you for a minute. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. All right. Well, um, now, this is going to be very interesting. And I'm going to move on so we can get everybody's story, and then we're going to throw questions back and forth at each other. That's fine. Now, now, Rory, you're down in Atlanta, but your dad actually lives in, help me out. I, I forget. We uh, just talked about it yesterday. Yeah, my dad's up in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Okay, and when I first met you, um, like I said, we were working for AAA over the phone, working from home, making a few bucks on the side, whatever. But you used to work at Subway and 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 um, was you know walking around in high school and and all that before you went blind, correct? Yeah, I um, I I, I was I was legally blind as a child, um, but I mean I, I had like twenty one hundred vision, basically my whole life, and it was corrected with. Uh, glasses and contacts and um, I pretty much mainstreamed myself through high school college um, when I came out from college I uh, I started working at a grocery store um, and then I worked at a subway um, and while well, I continued to finish college here in Atlanta and then um, in the middle of all that is when first I lost one eye um, a doctor actually uh, lost it during a surgery. He was trying to prevent a retinal detachment and he actually caused one. Um, that was not cool, but I still didn't, I wasn't totally um, uh, blind at that point, but, and even then I didn't realize or think that I needed to have a, a, a total lost sight plan either. Cause I had my other eye, it wasn't as, uh, the acuity was pretty much the same. It didn't bring as much light in, but um, it, so the world was a little bit dimmer, but I still could see everything as far as my field, my visual field went. So I continued working 
but then about two years after the the left eye went um a blood vessel started a blood vessel popped in my right eye when i was it, was, it actually happened on my birthday it's a great birthday present right Wait right <laughs> wow. and uh it happened on my birthday and um i was in a different city i was in denver but i was with my best friend and um i called and scheduled an appointment at the doctor's office from from colorado we flew home i went to the doctor the next day and he had told me that I, mean, I, re- i really wasn't blind i was just blinded by the blood and that hopefully the blood would go away on its own well three months later the blood still hadn't gone away and then i embarked on um like a year journey of i had surgery to have the blood removed according to the doctors at emory they thought that you know i shouldn't wait for it to be gone and so i had surgery i got my vision back in that eye minus a, a little bit of scar tissue forming but then it was a process where uh i could see for a couple months a blood vessel would pop i could get my vision back the blood would go away I have so basically it was a recurring event basically yeah so okay. that happened for about a year and then finally it went permanent and so at 26 i guess is when everything was permanent um and i mean that had to be scary based on the fact number one the, when the first blood vessel popped you were in denver which is not a small city and we know that atlanta never sleeps just like Vegas. <laughs> so i mean that's got to be scary all right we're gonna pause it right there christina what about you um i don't know that much about you but i know you live in st paul so i know we have access to public transportation but it still probably had to be very scary for you Yeah, well, at the time that I I lost my sight, I was living in the northern suburbs where there is no public transportation. Um so I was virtually stuck staying. Um I was thankfully living with my parents at the time, so I was able to stay there and kind of do the doctor's appointments and the surgeries. Um and then once that was done, they kicked me out and sent me to um adjustment to blindness training at Blind Inc in Minneapolis. Um so that all went down uh at 27. I suddenly lost my vision over a three month period. Um so we're going on almost six years since complete darkness. And what uh, what age was that at? 27 is when it started just randomly and then by, you know, three months later, so by the end of 2013, um I was completely blind. Okay. Emilio I know your story, but they don't. Oh, well, um, for me, it was, um, I was born legally blind, but I still had functional vision up until I about, oh, 13, 14, and then things started going downhill from there. And it's been a gradual process, and, uh, well, here I am. I guess now I just, uh, okay. see and shadows, I suppose. Let me see. Let's start with Stephanie, because your story is amazing. Three young kids, and running businesses and oh my goodness how I did- now have five children I am a single parent of five children well and I don't have I don't have time to be blind <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what was your biggest adjustment at first and did you have any any sort of like uh positive influence in your life to help you along or did you have to do it all alone I think probably the biggest adjustment was just how was I supposed to carry on and be mom when unfortunately when i first lost my sight no one truly knew what to know knew what to do with me my family would dress me in my suits every day for me to sit on the floor and play with the baby because 
that was what my existence had been boiled down to. Um, it took about three months of me doing that before I said, this is enough. I cannot take this. And I found services here in Memphis that helped get me through rehabilitation training. Um, as far as influences, my first influence, um, a friend of mine had an uncle who had lost his sight at the age of 20. And he was at that point in his late 60s. And she said, I just want you to meet meet him. And he made a very powerful statement that I kind of held on to during that initial conversation. And he said that you kind of are putting your your walk where you're, you know, you're putting your money where your mouth is. He said, we say all the time we do stuff with our eyes closed. He said, now you get to prove it. And he told me just to walk by faith. And just, and that statement has pushed me forward and carried me and helped me get to knowing that I could still do things and that I could still have a life worth living. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing. Some people think, you know, once you you lose your blindness or any kind of um, disability, so they say, because um, right. my, my theory is a handicap, not a, a handicap unless you make it one. But, um, you I know, have a diagnosis that says I am without ability. The thing is that I am not without ability. My abilities are just different. They're different from everybody else's. So I try and make sure that my disability is just words on a piece of paper that the doctor handed me and nothing else. I'm not a broke down car on the side of the road, so disabled does not apply to me. Exactly. (laughs) Roy, what about you? What was your biggest adjustment? Because, you know, you had saw for most of your life. And I mean, growing up in the big city, that had to be scary. Um, yeah, it was, it was scary. I I don't know. I guess I should have thought a little bit more. My biggest adjustment, I guess, was, um, at that point in time, I had already lived independently and done it once with sight. So I guess my biggest adjustment was not necessarily living independently, but I it, it my biggest adjustment was figuring out and 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 all of a sudden discovering how differently I because I, I didn't see it this coming and you know pun intended but I mean I didn't see I had been somewhat disabled I walked with a limp I had rheumatoid arthritis and I had been different my whole life I guess and I didn't think that I would have been received or dealt with any differently by society um, but but just by carrying a white cane and all that and just getting out there and I never thought in a million years that I was going to be treated so radically differently by just you know friends family strangers the whole nine yards I mean it wasn't everybody you know certain people were, were fine but it was now you just... you you were not alone um like I said I know your story a little bit but your mom got rest her soul because she was a wonderful woman she did everything in her power to make life as easy for you, didn't she? Yeah, well, she definitely, well, as easy as you as, could as think. She, as, as she know how, I should say. Right, well, she, you know, we, she she thought I was Superman. So, you know, it, we we had decided that I needed to go ahead and, and move out. So, like, I did something that I don't think a lot of people would have done, even though I had, I had gone through rehab already like you guys remember I just said that it went back and forth so during that whole year of it going back and forth I went through rehab like almost 
with some vision and then no vision and it just depended on what day it was as I live whether I showed up to the you know to the center blind or whether I showed up with a little bit of peripheral or whatever so I was getting training during that process but I went ahead and when I finally got an apartment um in housing I could afford when the, I came up on the waiting list we decided to go ahead and and literally I moved out within a month of being totally permanent and you know without even really batting an eyelash over it because you know I was only 26 and it's like well you've got to live independently at some point in time you might as well start now so I kind of did it without any practice and you know my parents definitely tried to help make it easier but it wasn't as you know we definitely misjudged the situation right. you, you, it can't was predict, a lot, you can't predict yeah. something like that right so. it was a lot more challenging than uh than we thought but it's still at the end of the day I'm glad I made that decision to go ahead and do it then and I you know I would recommend that you know anybody go ahead and and as long as they're comfortable with it and can set up as much as they can right uh, you know you might as well go ahead and start that process it's sooner than later because you're going to need to do it at some point in time so now Amelia your story is a little different because you like I said grew up look, um, with sight and then he eventually went slower. Now I know your story, but tell us a little bit about you. I mean, cause you went to TSB, your mom really didn't know how to adjust to having a blind son along with your brother and dad. So you spent a better part of your high school years at TSB, Texas School for the Blind, I should say, since people don't know what TSB stands for, right? That's right. Um, for me, the adjustment was uh, interesting because I pretty much grew up away from home in that area on its own. Uh, the benefits to that, out, outweigh just the cost. Um, for me, it was just a uh, unique experience, and one I guess in a way I'm I'm grateful for it because it opens opportunities for you. And I think all of us can attest to this. This whole quote unquote being blind aspect puts us in positions that we never knew we were ever going to have in our lives, but also challenges us to do things that we never thought could ever be possible. Mm. Right. Now, Christine, you, you went to Blind Inc. Now, I know what that is because they wouldn't mm -hmm. let me in. They told me I was too smart and they didn't want me to make everybody else feel bad. So, um, sure, but right. why, don't you, mm -hmm. why don't you tell everybody else what Blind Inc. is? Sure. So, uh, Blind Inc. or Blind Incorporated is, it's a national federation. Um, is it of the blind or for the blind? I always forget. NFT. I, 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 I guess <laughs> for, who knows? Center. <laughs> yeah, um, so they're an affiliated center the with blind. the, you know, what it's of the blind. Okay, because they're like, well, we're not doing it for the blind. We're we're with the blind. <laughs> the know. philosophy but, is that of means it's for the people for the agencies that provide the services. Gotcha. Um, so there it's Nat go. National Federation of the Blind, and um, so their blind Inc. is affiliated with them. So they kind of have the philosophies that the NFB carries with. Um, certain things like how you do travel where you sit on the bus um, using a, a straight NFB cane versus a guide dog um, so I they're a fully immersive program which means essentially you stay in student apartments that are off campus you travel using the bus to the center Monday through Friday 8 to 4 30 is when you're actually in training at the school outside of that is your free time unless they have things planned I was about to say didn't um, they like put I, you up in an apartment and you know you had to do all those homemaking things yes. and all that yep they do um every week 
uh, usually Wednesdays you'd get out of class an hour early, so 3.30 instead of 4.30, and you go back to the student apartments and the home management instructor would come over and check your apartment and give you any pointers on cleaning. You know, you got to make sure that you keep up with things and make sure you're cleaning the dishes appropriately. And the dishes and stuff are provided by the school, but you do have to get your own groceries. But they give you, um, at the time I was going, um, they were giving you $302 a month in uh, what they called maintenance checks. And that's to cover um, like internet because you have to pay for that yourself at this time. Right now they're in fancy apartments where internet is included and washer and dryers in the unit and they're super nice. Um, but back when I was there, we didn't have <laughs> things like that. So we had to cover our own internet bill and um, buy groceries. So they gave us money yeah. twice a month to is cover that, a, that. Is that strictly just for the state of Minnesota or is it the that's um so that's for blinding in general there are other nfb affiliated sites um, i do think this is where it started though yeah i think blinding was one of the first ones because it came um, from a place called v invoke rehab um v vlr what's it called i guess uh, Vision loss resource. yeah exactly yeah because i took a um i took a um what you call it a peer counseling class over there back in 2009 for this specific reason for people who lost their sight later in their life we were trained to be mentors and help people find resources and just let them know that after losing your sight there is still life afterwards so that was that was interesting i actually called when i moved back to minnesota last year to see if i had to take the class over again and of course they told me yes and i wasn't going to drive an hour once a week for six weeks or whatever but anyway um moving switching gears a little bit here now we we've gone blind we've well, we've made our adjustments. Is, uh, what do you guys prefer? I know, Amelia, you've uh, done this, and um, Roy, you have too. Christine and Stephanie, I don't know about you guys. So, Kane versus Guide Dog. Which one is, you know, because I've only done the Kane thing. So, which one do you prefer and why? Oh, for me, I prefer both. I think that um, a Kane and Dog both have their place. It's just a matter of knowing when in your life that is going to be appropriate for you to implement or integrate, rather. So I'm a fan of having a dog and a cane, and sometimes using them together. Hmm. Interesting. I would tend to agree um, with you, Amelia. They definitely both have their places. I was a guide dog user for 15 years. Um, <clears throat> my my dog just recently passed away. I'm sorry for that. I think for me, I am a cane user. And the only reason I am not a dog user is simply because I don't think that my routine supports a dog at this moment. So I have that question thrown out at me a lot. Why don't you go get a dog? Why don't you go get a dog? But you have to understand that it's just not a dog by your side. It's a tool and there's specific training that goes through and like i said i don't think my current routine supports it and i think if that ever changes i would be interested in receiving the dog but i don't think the dog excludes the need for exceptional o m skills yep i agree with that completely yeah you need those cane skills regardless stephanie you still i'm not stephanie christine you still with us I think she got kicked from the call. I was looking and see. I was looking. Oh, here she is. Yep. Sorry, I got kicked. Must have forgot to turn on Do Not Disturb. <laughs> no, it's it's on. It just oh, okay. randomly kicked me out. Said the recording oh. ended. 
But anyways, continue. Um, but I, 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 I had brought the question to you. I, have you used the guide dog? And if so, which do you prefer, the cane or the guide dog? Ooh, do I get to answer? Sorry. Yeah, that's your yeah, turn. Yeah, yep, yep. You're, oh, sure. you're, you're the last okay. one. <laughs> oh, well, well, well. Um, I actually prefer guide dog. I got mine in the summer of last year, um, oh, 2018. Thank you. Um, and yeah, he's he's great. I mean, there's definitely some things that it's a little bit easier to do with a cane. Um, but for the most part, he, you know, 95, 97% um, of what I can do, he makes it easier for me to do. So I prefer guide dog, plus they're kind of fun to have around. Uh, now, they are you, a lot of work. <laughs> do you find that having a guide dog, because it's true, at least for me, so my, I, may, I, I may just be a special case, which is possible. But do you find that having the guide dog now gives you more confidence to maybe do things or venture out more than you would have otherwise by just using a cane? Um, I would say yes. But I also say that there's some things that I normally would do that I have to consider the fact that he would be with me and whether or not it's appropriate to bring him or maybe I shouldn't do that particular task. But yeah, if I'm going to a mall, I'm like, I'm not going without my dog. Because sure. there's no way I'm navigating a mall with just a cane. Not well, happening. I, so I have a question yeah. for you and Sarah, and I'm curious for both of you, because I think, and I'm not trying to exclude you, Rory or Cliff, but to me, y'all's cases are unique in that y'all had sudden vision loss. And so I'm curious, how did you confront the shock of now knowing that you're living in a world of darkness? <laughs> Go ahead, Stephanie. You can start. I remember being in the hospital thinking, I got this, I got this. All I have to do is apply what I remember. Nothing's changed, I can do this. The hospital staff found me crumpled up in the floor of the bathroom. I couldn't figure out how to navigate from the hospital bed to the bathroom. And I remember thinking, I don't have this. I am not gonna be able to make it through this. And, I think what happened over the next couple of months, especially once I finally started getting into rehab and I learned, the very first thing I learned to do was to sew on a button. And that gave me right there enough confidence for me to know how to do one thing back in my life. And once I could do that one thing, then that meant I probably could do something else. So. I think adjusting to the shock of being blind came in little bitty pieces and it started to make the picture that is available to me now but at first I wasn't quite sure um, it's not like they hand you a manual when you're in the hospital and get the diagnosis that says do this this and this yeah. mm -hmm. that's very true The for me it's like uh, they had me meet with the occupational therapist, but that wasn't right after surgeries and stuff or right after I was completely in the darkness. It was like a month after. So for the first month, I couldn't use my phone. I felt like I couldn't really do anything. Luckily, I knew the parent, my parents, like the layout of the house. So right, that, that wasn't a, a too much deal. of an issue. Yeah. <laughs> but then I was like, I don't know how to do laundry. I don't know how to um, cook at all. So I was doing 
uh, actually I was doing like nothing during the day I would eat snacks or something that I could just like a pre-made sandwich or something while my parents were gone and um, you know then once we saw the occupational therapist she showed me how to use voiceover and even just that felt like I had a new outlook on life because um, I could actually use my phone and communicate with people I was I felt so alone during that time and you know you hear everything you're adjusting your your hearing and um i think that was probably one of the first times and then once i learned that i could uh i could cut up like green peppers because i was like how am i going to do this without seeing you know you watch what you're doing so you don't cut yourself and then i cut up my first green pepper and i was like just like you stephanie it was like oh i can do this yeah i, yeah. I could yeah okay this isn't that bad <laughs> So it's good. Yeah, it's not like, that bad, and I probably can do something else now. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just slowly have to uh, figure out that you know you can still do the same things for the most part. You just have to do them a little bit differently. So once I kind of realized that, now I'm into people are like, "Well, I suppose you can't go to a movie." I was like, "Why not? I can go." They have things called audio description. Ever heard of it? And you're like, "What?" So <laughs> right like, now, I'm, you know, I got a question for Cher. Are you still with us? I thought she was still here. Maybe she doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'll wait for her to come back in here. But um, now, for the audience that's going to be listening to this podcast, they'll say, or they won't say, but you know, sometimes I guess I I call it the sight, the clueless sighted community. Some people think that when we lose our sight, they they were. Um, you know, they, they say that, you know, you lost sight, so you can't do nothing. Because I, I get it all the time. Can I help you across the street? My thinking is, well, what am I going to do when you get to the next corner and you're not here if I didn't know how to get across the street? Or who cooks for mm-hmm. you? Who does your laundry? But the one big issue is that I have, and I know, Roy, you had this issue too, is the, in the workplace. We have to work twice as hard to get a job because people look at our cane or our dog and say, oh, they can't do nothing. Instead of looking down at the resume seeing what's on there and what you can do now the current job that i'm at now didn't do that they asked me what i could do instead of what i couldn't do so they they can they gave me a chance so what in the workplace i'm gonna start with you roy what in the workplace was the most uh difficult for you to get past and keep the job once you got it because employers didn't want to give you a chance Right, oh, you still there? Get kicked out too? Maybe so. All right, well, let's try you, Stephanie. Well, how how was it when you first lost your sight? Did you did you get to keep your job? No. So one talent of being a pharmacy is that you need to be able to visually see the medications. <laughs> so, what? No way. Yes, yes. They actually, <laughs> technically, the pharmacist, if you're on the retail side, they should look at the medication and visually verify that it is correct before they dispense it to the patient. So, my current employer, when I was working for, when I was teaching the pharmacy staffs and teaching pharmacy technician certification courses, no one knew how to adapt any of that to my blindness. So, it was just automatic that I lost my job. Now, I work in a very specialized field. I get to now teach blind and visually impaired adults, and I love it. I took my teaching background, 
I have been in this field. I teach assistive technology, Braille, and I specialize in Apple device training. Um, whether that's teaching at the local store, teaching our Apple staff here in Memphis how to work these devices, or teaching my students and watching them get their lives back. I love it. So you would think that because I'm in this world of teaching, the talents and the skill sets that I need to navigate on an everyday basis that everyone understands. And I think sometimes the hardest thing for me in the workplace is when things are not accessible and I can't do it on my own, or when we get a new copier and everyone says, oh, you'll be able to use it, Stephanie. And there is nothing I can do with that machine. So I think, <laughs> you know, sometimes not realizing, um, hey, we have blind, visually impaired employees. Could we make the alarm system accessible? You know, what do we do when we evaluate this new database? Is it going to work with assistive technology? And can we demand from the company that we have employees that use assistive technology and we need your product to be accessible with a screen reader. Yeah. So I think those are some of the things that I run into on a day-to-day basis with my full-time job. Christina, are you currently working? I am not, but I've been having a ton of fun getting hired and then terminated before training can start because of not being able to accommodate. So it's wow. been real interesting. Now, are you using are you using SSB or are you doing it on your own? Um, I, well, I'm not using SSB to find jobs. I'm applying on my own and doing the interviews and stuff. And Good move I'm having the, they're, they're slow anyway. I've been dealing with well, them forever. And I, I mean, that. cause yeah. I've, the last two jobs I've gotten on my own. And of course, when I got the jobs, they want to jump in and act like they can use my ticket to work and the other funding that they get, like, we're going to accommodate you, but they don't give you no accommodations just kick you off your case in 90 days and said okay we did our job no that's not how it works right so yeah exactly yeah they're uh they're a little strange sometimes uh i love ssb state services for the blind in minnesota um they've helped me out a lot they paid for my training at blind inc they um they've gotten me appointments at dress for success as well as ready for success to get me like eight to ten brand new complete outfits for interviews and things like that. So, you know, they've definitely helped out a lot and they paid for me to get a, a certificate earlier this year. Um, so I appreciate what they do, but you're totally right, Cliff, that they kind of are a little on the slow side and they sort of, you know, oh, your goal is to get a job. Once you get a job, then they're kind of like, all right, bye. I first, I first started us. dealing with them on my own exclusively back in 2004 and they moved so slow in getting me a computer that I went ahead and bought one myself and that at that point they said oh okay we can buy you Jaws then since you have your own computer because they were trying to give me used ones refurbished ones then they said they had to ship one in from out of town because somebody was using it but wasn't using it ah, whatever oh, wow yeah Sherry, Sherry are you there yeah okay now you just sent me a text now what is your accommodate or what do you what is your comment on this work just job workplace stuff because you've been through with me going through jobs applying for jobs and you you've had um um uh, what's the word i'm looking for you have observed that's the word i'm looking for you have observed what i went through and other blind people down in florida um getting jobs so what is your outtake on the blindness in the workplace the problem for me what i see is that no one knows exactly how to deal with 
a person with disabilities, blindness or anything else um, in the company. So if you have somebody in that place who has gone through training or just knows anything about it, that helps. Like with you at work now, I had to go in and sit down and talk to them and explain, this is what you do. This is how you react to what he's doing before you came in. So I just think that there needs to be some kind of position where somebody can go in and say, okay, this is how you react and handle people with disabilities or this specific disability. Yeah, I think it's gotten better over the years, but it's still not perfect. I mean, employers, they have no choice because of the ADA to give us a chance. And sometimes they'll have some of that underlying language that was written by their lawyers that will protect them. But at the end of the day, at some point, they have to accommodate you so they can say they did everything that they could. Emilio, now you went to grad school. How was it back then when you went to grad school? Did you have all the resources that you needed or did you have to jump through some hoops to get them? Um, I was fortunate in that I had resources available to me to get what I needed to get done in terms of work product. So that was nice. And blindness for me wasn't that much of an issue. Um, No one really made it an issue. Students never made it an issue. You know, I was only limited by what I didn't want to do. So I was pretty fortunate in that respect. You lucky duck you. Yeah, and and in nine times out of ten, it's usually the human resources at the workplace that don't want to give you a a, a, a chance. Because I I applied at a company earlier last year, and I did the application, I did the interview, I did the second interview, and even went on the floor and showed them that I could do the job. But when it came to the human resources, they were they had a, the 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 head the head manager of the position that I was applying for wanted me in that position. But when it came to HR, they didn't they didn't want to hire me because they thought it was a it was a risk, but you know. Liability. Yep, been there done that. But I mean, Cliff, I mean, what you've done is really amazing. Your determination to try to get a mainstream job is like nothing I've ever seen before. And I mean, Sherry, the fact that you're able to go in and advocate in front of him and convince these people to pay attention and, and, and give them a chance. That's that's remarkable. Um, now, what, now, what about you, Roy, after you went blind? I mean, I know we worked for AAA and you've had a couple of little stints here and there, but what is your biggest crutch, or not crutch, but what is what is the biggest issue with employers on hiring you uh, be, you know, after, you know, quote, I mean, number one, you have a dog, so people are already shy, shy rock away from that. Then you're blind, so they'll say, okay, what can you do? What, you know, how right. we accommodate what he can and can't do, so. Well, for me, um, like I, like you just said, that they, I, I engaged in uh, some programs at Voc Rehab, uh, started with, um, you know, with the with AirTran Airways or the airline itself. We booked flights down there, but they, they, they really seemed to really just want, you know, low vision. They weren't too cool with, with total, you know, total blindness, and they definitely were not cool with my dog. Um, but you know, they were supposed to be. Um, either way, that happened. And then, you know, Voc Rehab, my experience has been, you, you can do a lot better if you can go out and find the employer yourself. And then if you can make develop a relationship with the employer, you're gonna have a lot better shot um, of getting hired 
or getting a job. And um, one of Same the things they I told s- us, but more nine times out of ten, they just wanted that payday. They wanted that government funding and right. the numbers to be up so they could keep the funding, but they really wasn't getting you a job. I've never gotten a job through Voc Rehab, SSB, Blinding, whoever they are. I've always got all my jobs on my own. Right. They've never advocated for... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I did get one job through them, but it was... I mean, I got to keep this PG. It was some BS. It was... Yeah. Um, something called max msdi or something like this basically it was a company where they sat you down at the table you had to fold books of stamps all day and if you didn't meet their quota you didn't get paid right and no. you know we ran oh, up against you. that i mean with the triple a job it seemed that 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 was looking at that was a, an instance where you had and this is what i would love to see more of you know they need to incentivize employers a lot more than they are which they did to a certain extent but you know with what jack sands did you know he he somehow along the way thought that hey we could get maybe either some you know and we weren't cheap labor labor either we were getting paid 12 dollars an hour right Um, and that was back in 2008 (laughs) yeah and so it was good it was a good rate of pay but at the same time he, he somebody told him that hey blind people can work on the computer they can, their computers can talk um and but we ran it what we ran into at AAA was the whole you know you've got to have complete and total utter dedication from the ceo or the employer itself to make sure that they're going to roll with and the i don't think they had that patience or let, let's give them the benefit of the doubt maybe they just didn't have the knowledge of the way the web based interface right. was to make exactly. jaws accessible and thing of that nature. Stephanie, were you gonna or Christine, were you gonna say something? No, no, nope. no. Oh, okay. I <laughs> thought I, I thought I heard some, somebody say something, but yeah. You know, they've they've gotta be able to, like you were saying, they've gotta be able to roll with the punches of the updating you know, constantly updating the softwares and and making sure that they you know, you're right, they weren't not educated. He just heard that, you know, computers can talk and blind people can do this. So he thought it was a real plug and play situation. And to a certain extent, it could have been, but you've got to be patient as we go through these changes. And as Salesforce.com updated and Jaws updated, you know, we we updated ourselves right out of a great job. And I mean, still that job is available today. Uh, you know, there's I'm sure there's still membership renewal calling that AAA does. I'm sure all those markets still exist, and blind people could do that same job if you just drop the call list into Salesforce and they could pick up the phone and call. Yeah, I, I hate to throw it out there, but if they had Apple's dedication on accessibility and making sure stuff works before they put it on the market, they wouldn't they wouldn't have that issue. I mean, correct. I, I mean, I yeah. got to applaud Apple. I got to tell you guys a funny story because it's, it's, it's really funny because Rory, when the first iPhone came out, 3GS and voiceover, he was like, you know, get this phone and do this and do that. And back then I was into the Jaws and the mobile speak and I had a QWERTY keyboard with uh, Touch Pro 2 and he was like, this this phone does everything. I argued him up and down for almost two years. I told him he was crazy. Told him he, that he was that wasn't possible. That he was smoking crack. That you <laughs> stop doing that. They don't do. I said. I said they don't do stuff like that for blind people. Well, I picked up an iPhone four, and I haven't put the iPhone down since. That is, I mean, I don't, I don't know. The iPhone is just amazing to me. You can do everything from that phone as a blind user. Sighted people still don't know that voiceover is built in, that we can text and, 
and do apps and Facebook and Twitter and everything that they can do. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I created the podcast because I wanted people to know that because we're blind, it does not mean that we can't do anything. And that brings me to you, Stephanie. You're a single blind, totally blind parent. What adjustments yes. did you have to make as a as you know being from being able to see drive to the grocery store and go into the kitchen and cut up vegetables and and chop the meat up to you know not being able to see anything and you know do all those things still well i think the fact that i am a mother and i'm a mother first kind of helps because my children they don't want to hear oh i can't do that i'm blind they want mom to find the purple sock get the orange t-shirt and have dinner on the table that's what they expect and my children didn't ask for a blind mother I chose to bring my children into the world so for me it's a lot of doing things a little bit differently than what I used to I have a I have a six-year-old so we're we're reading and um we're reading Dr. Seuss at the moment. I will pull out the Seeing AI app because I don't have a particular print braille copy of this book we're reading. I will use Seeing AI in my earpiece for it to read the page to me so then I know what he's reading to me so that I know he's getting it correct. And it's a process, but I just had to find a way to make it work because my six-year-old needs his mom's support on his reading. Um, as far as the kitchen and groceries, uh, my relationship with Menus for All, we've actually come up with a product that could help with grocery shopping, but we haven't been able to release it to stores yet. So grocery shopping is a hassle. I know the layout of the local grocery stores until they go in and change everything. Right. right. You're not <laughs> That's right. And then they always <laughs> stick stuff in the aisle right in my path. Um, it's not on the shelf. They've moved. So I have started taking advantage of using some of the Mm -hmm. delivery services. Um, That's a good thing and a bad thing. But hey, while I'm grocery shopping with air quotes, I'm also washing the dishes. So I love (laughs) doing two things at once. So while someone's picking up my groceries, I'm getting the laundry done. Um, Or I'm getting ready to run out the house. So you just find a way to make it work. And sometimes it just takes a matter of thinking outside the box, understanding technology. You know, you swore up and down you weren't going to use the iPhone. My first day of the iPhone, I had the police called on me. (laughs) So, um, my my now ex-husband, he got the iPhone for me at Christmas, and it was the iPhone 4 and took me to the Apple store. They're like, oh, this phone's going to do everything. You just it's going to talk to you and everything they set it up i had an old flip phone before that we never took a number out and i don't know if you've ever had a six-year-old and a seven-year-old program your phone there's all <laughs> sorts of stuff in there and so my ex-husband's work number was the was still in the phone his old work number so i'm telling the phone to call him because he is in the parking lot somewhere waiting for me to come out of the apple store i come out I can't get the phone to do anything but call the old number. And it kept telling me double tap to answer, double tap to hang up to end. I'm hitting that phone as hard as I can with multiple fingers because I didn't, no one knew what a double tap was in the store. They just told me to follow the directions. So no one told me that it 
was a heartbeat type gesture. And so I'm hitting it and I'm making the phone answer and recall and not even know how I'm doing it. (laughs) So the person at his old work was like, thought I was a child playing on the phone. She told me if I called one more time, because I called her about eight times. She said, I'm going to call the police on you. When the police call you, you need to answer the phone. Well, I kept hanging up on the police officer (laughs) because I didn't know. It said double tap to answer, and I was double tapping Mm -hmm. as hard as I could. And um, by the time the police officer, we got the call connected, he was mad. And I explained that I was blind, visually impaired, and I had just gotten this new phone, and I didn't know how to work it, and he busted out yeah. my And he's like, ma'am, I just need you not to call that number back. I was like, I don't even know how I called it. You're like, I'd and love to so do that if I knew how that I did night, it to begin with. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's right. But he didn't understand that. And so that night, the children's father left. I'm left with the seven-year-old, the six-year-old, and a eight and a small baby with no access to a phone because I can't figure out how to work this multi hundred dollar right. device we just bought. So I had to learn how to use it. So I tell my students that it's the police has never called on you on your first day <laughs> or in the first week. You're doing better than your instructor. So are you, what what do you teach? Do you teach iPhone classes or other blind people? I do. I teach um, iPhone, iPad, I, Apple all Apple devices, um, assistive technology, JAWS when I need to, Braille. Ooh, she said a bad word. No. Is that, <laughs> and is, is, that on your, is that on your own or is that through a, a center or something? I teach for the Center for the Blind and Visually oh, okay. Impaired here in Memphis. So I teach blind and visually impaired adults who are coming through our voc- rehab program. Um, I do a lot of work outside of the center, just teaching mm-hmm. people individually. Um, so that's what I do full time. And then my, my rest of the time, in addition to being yeah. mom and one of the people that I had on last week, uh, Lynn I, Malief, she, uh, she actually worked for the Apple store up in Pennsylvania. So, and she, um, you know, make sure when a blind user comes in and gets a phone that she spends at least an hour with them, giving them the basic gestures, how to get to help, how to do this, how to do that, call Apple support, this, that, the other. So, but you know, those resources yeah. weren't. So I've been teaching the local Apple store. I've been yeah. teaching their and staff that, recently. Right. And like I was going to say, your, that resource wasn't available to you when you first picked up the iPhone 4. I mean, what was that, like six, seven, eight years ago? So. No. 13. It was 13 yeah, years so. ago. 12 years ago. No, years I'm sorry, ago. 10. 10 years yep. ago. I got my so. first iPhone Sh- 10, years, 10 years ago. Right. And I've been rocking and rolling. You Like you said. It Sherry, as a wife of a blind person, what is the most difficult thing you think would help or not help but what's the what's the most difficult thing that you see me do on a day-to-day basis that you may think may be difficult that you might want to ask them about how they do it seriously dude you do so much (laughs) 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 honestly i i think um watching you do everything from cooking to cleaning, cleaning better than children who obviously can see what they're doing and are old enough to do it right. That that's crazy to me. That just might. That sounds like my argument yeah, I with mean, my own children. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Got teenagers in the house and some that are almost teenagers, and it's I've watched Cliff 
literally sweep and mop the floor way better than them. Clean the bathroom. Good job, Cliff. And well, like, my, how did you do that? My, my mom wasn't... Uh, I, she didn't hold my hand, for lack of a better term. My, I was the oldest, and so it started with me. I mean, I have a brother that's two and a half years younger than me, then a sister that's 10 years younger than me, and then on down the line. So when it was time to clean and cook and learn how to do all this stuff, you're blind. No, you're going to still learn how to do this. So, And it was the bottom line. She said that she wanted to make sure that when I moved out, I could take care of myself. So, and I've been on my own since I was 18 and haven't looked back. So, I mean, it, it, it's just a matter of the system and the support that you got in place. And everybody's not as blessed. I mean, because there's some people, like, for instance, I went to the Faribault School for the Blind for summer school back in the 80s. And, man, those kids were, I'm trying to say it nice. This, they were clueless, I guess. I mean, because they, <laughs> they didn't know. I mean, the staff, was, I, I can say the staff was, too. I was going through a line. And the lady picked up a knife and she was going to cut my meat. I said, what are you doing? I'm, I'm supposed to cut your meat up for you. I said, not on my watch. I know how to do that myself. And at this time, I'm only like 11 or 12 years old. She was like, you can cut the meat up by yourself? I was like, uh, are you amazed? Can't you cut up meat by yourself? I mean, because to people that know me and have known me all my life, to them, I'm not blind. I just can't see because they tell me that I do so much that they forget that I'm blind. So yeah. I guess it just imag- I, I guess it just mm-hmm. depends on what background you come from, and everybody's is not as fortunate. Now, Christine, you living up in Minnesota, we get a bunch of snow. So mm-hmm. how does that <laughs> affect your mobility and travel during the winter time? Because I know how it affects me, especially when they're lazy and don't snow or plow or shovel or plow. <laughs> that you is also the worst. move around without your cane too, so that confuses nope. a lot of people because you don't use your cane all the time, even when we're you're at work you don't use your cane that comes with practice i mean i've seen i've seen a lot of people be able to do that and that that did always amaze me a lot um but i've had some mobility issues with like you know my legs not being in the proper alignment so my orientation even though after years of being totally blind for so long you would think unfortunately i just don't walk in a straight line I'm not even on both sides so I haven't been able to develop you know be able to enjoy being able to put my cane down um like that but you know Cliff well is, I, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that in a in an area that I didn't know I mean I would never right. do that in, in I would never do that in Atlanta New York or Chicago so <laughs> <laughs> that's not happening I'm sorry Christine you got cut off do you do you go out less during the winter time because of the snow uh yeah, I mean, I still I still go out. The dog helps a lot with that when uh, is using my cane. If it snowed more than a couple inches, I was like, well, I guess I'm staying inside. Because it's just so hard to find the sidewalk and to know where the curbs are and things like that. So the dog helps out tremendously with that. So we still go out. We still go on walks and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a big pain in the butt. I cannot wait move like to the west coast or back to phoenix or something so i don't have to deal with the snow anymore because it it really is a hassle and it affects everything your ability to hear your ability to feel where you're walking whether you're in the middle of the street or not so it's uh winter is not great especially when there's a ton of snow like minnesota so yeah i can't wait to move (laughs) now you said back to phoenix did you live there before yeah when when i could see 
Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, I had okay. I lived in Phoenix for two years, Texas for like five months, Philadelphia. Ain't it like for a, ain't it like weeks. 115 degrees in the age or in the shade? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it is. It definitely is, but it it is a dry heat, so it feels more like low 90s. Um, you don't really sweat, and there's no snow, there's no rain, there's no thunderstorms. It's always sunny. Oh, trust you me, I lived in Florida storms. for four years, and I, I miss it. Oh, do I miss yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I I had moved back to Minnesota about a year, yeah, almost exactly a year before I started getting sick and I lost my sight. So I was still in the process of like rebuilding things, like. I always say that I left Minnesota originally in my mid-20s with a, a car, a license, money in the bank. Um, you know, everything was in my car and I came back with no license, no car, no money, uh, but a cat. I have my cat with me. So, because I got now, here in Phoenix. Now, so, you and I, Stephanie both lost sight and, and was able to drive and all that stuff. What What do you miss the most about being able to see? I mean, obviously the driving part, because that's the part I miss and I never was even able to do it, but... <laughs> I would yeah driving is definitely up there I think just in general being able to go out and uh, be one with nature but be able to see different things like you know seeing different animals and stuff I was just at the dog park earlier with my dog and I have a, a sighted neighbor that takes me and so she tells me as more dogs come into the park like oh that looks like an Irish setter or I don't know what this dog is and so I miss being able to just see things in general and be able to really enjoy um, what the world has to offer and the beauty that it is um, but driving is definitely number one yeah what about you Stephanie I'm I wouldn't say driving is number one, but it's like probably right on up there. I miss a lot of times when my children are at school and they're in a program or they're getting an award or they're singing at church and, you know, the parent always next to you leans over and says, oh, which one is yours? I'm like, I don't know. One of them. The one that looks like me. I, you know, because um, I can't point out my child on the stage or someone leans over and says, oh, Stephanie, they look so beautiful. Well, I want to see that they look beautiful. I'm not going to see my children in their wedding dresses. I'm not going to, um, you know, when they bring me the picture that's supposed to be a dinosaur, but really looks like a ink blot. You know, I can't even make out that it may have been an ink blot or a dinosaur. Amelia, I assume you're still with us. What about you? Um, um, you know, <laughs> pictures, I think, has to be it for me. Now we live in an age where we can take pictures just by literally just looking at something. We have, you know, for those of us who have smartphones or phones with cameras on them anyway, pictures are all over the place, and that's one thing I miss. Okay. <clears throat> all right, now, to, you know, we've covered, you know, the workplace, living independently, um, you know, all that other crazy stuff. What would you guys say? is the the best advice that you would give somebody that say they were they were told in advance or if they just lost their sight tomorrow and needed some guidance or somebody to mentor them what would be the best piece of advice that you would give them as a blind individual that once could see get help <laughs> accept help uh you know go to ssb or any sort of vogue rehab and get set up with services. I mean, I'm so glad that my parents kicked me out the door and I went right into training. Let me go back to uh, that. Are you serious? Right they they literally kicked you out the house? 
basically. <laughs> I mean, I say yes, I, I agreed to go to training, but I wouldn't have gone so quickly if it was up to me. Uh, but mostly my mother was like, I can't deal with you staying here all the time. Uh, so you need to get out of my house. I would like, right, I would fine. say don't don't be in denial as much as it may be afraid. Embrace the fear for what it is and always an unknown, but don't be in denial because that for me at least was one of my biggest barriers to being blind. It's denying the fact that I was. Yeah, that. I would say know that you still have life right. and it's life worth living. Mm-hmm. So I used to know somebody that was it. very, I mean, very angry. I, that's what I was going to ask you, you two ladies. I mean, because you lost your sight later. I mean, late 20s, almost 30s. I mean, were you were you at some point mad about it? I mean, I know you, you know, you can't control the situation, but was at some point you said, you know what, this is just not fair for me, this, that, and the other? Mm, I mean, I... I didn't give myself really a chance to grieve uh, my vision loss. I was just, you know, because I went right into training and just moved on with my life. Um, I, you know, I never had that time to really be angry besides when I couldn't do something or um, like when my niece was born. She was born on the day I got diagnosed with my condition and I only had 20% of my sight left so I got to go and see her but you know at that point she's just a blob to me like she's just a chubby baby you couldn't even tell she was a girl and I've never been able to see her like you were talking about Stephanie with your kids that's something that is gonna like when I have kids myself I'm gonna be like that where it's gonna drive me insane not to be able to see them or watch them do these things but yeah that is one know. big for me I mean I've never been able to see but I mean it, it would be nice to be able to see when I mean when people say oh your kids look just like you or they, they their demeanors like you I'm never gonna be able to see that so I don't mm-hmm. I don't thrive on it too long because there's nothing I can do about it I mean you got to put your best foot forward and continue to live right but it is what it is right yeah. what can you do I think you have to understand that vision loss is part of, there is a grief process that goes with it. It's those steps of acceptance and denial and um, anger. All that is to be expected. And if you know that going forward and someone tells you, hey, it's okay for you to be angry. There's times when I think, why can't I do this? Why does it have to be so complicated? It used to take me five minutes to do this. Now, 15, 30 minutes, an hour later, what am I supposed to do? Sit on the floor and throw a fit? That's right. not going to get it done either, you know? So readjust, come on, let's get it done. But for me, there's a lot of spiritual along with my journey. So I have to go back and I have to, for me personally, I just have to tell God, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm grateful that I'm still here. Uh, and I'm sorry that I was ungrateful. Because I still need to realize how blessed I am that I still have right. Life. Okay, Sherry has is having audio issues again, but she wants to know how it is for you guys with in relationships versus when you could see. I know the answer to that I have, but what about for you guys? Hmm. Relationships, dealing with relationships. <laughs> real fun, real fun stuff. Well, I was married for twenty years. And so I am just recently single. And this is different, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> to say the least. I had a friend at the at the beauty 
shop the other day. She said, Stephanie, how are you going to know if he's good looking? I said, you know what? Because you're going to be talking about him like a dog. <laughs> <and it's not. laughs> so, you know, so I, I'm sorry. I try and have a lot of fun with my blindness. So relationships, I think, are different as I watch my students go through it. Um, but I think it's important. I think there's no reason that I can't date. Yeah, one of the biggest um, issues I have, or I had when, I, you know, growing up, well, I didn't have, but just like you you said your friend at the beauty salon, my I, my friends growing up, you know, I would always ask them, I mean, is she cute? Is she good looking? And I mean, what is, what, what's her feet? What's, what, what stands out? So, I mean, at, ultimately at the end of the day, my first attraction is your voice. And then after that, it's got to be personality. But I mean, yeah. so. I want someone who understands my blindness and can work with it who's going to allow me to be independent in my blindness and allow, that's okay but they're going to be right. there if I do need help but they're not going to smother right. me with the help so it's going to take a very unique type of person because they're going to get five children, two dogs, a blind woman plus my full time work and <clears throat> all my other work and they're going to have to be an advocate right along with me right. so I'm looking like a package for a deal. now now, Christine, you uh, oh, man, it's a, right. it's a multi-million now, Christine, dollar you package da- <laughs> that I actually know. So, sure did. have you dated anybody that could see? And if so, do you have a preference? Um, I, I mean, n- no. Um, my ex was my first relationship after losing my sight. Um, and that was two and a half years. Ended about six months ago. Um, so I've been doing online dating for about five months now. And boy, does he still boy, live in Minnesota? Interesting. Yeah, he does. Yep. Um, still lives in our old apartment in Roseville. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I would say um, the last five months of doing online dating, I've only been dating sighted people. And I do prefer that <laughs> because I personally like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just makes things a lot easier. Plus, it helps when they drive, and uh, <laughs> that just makes things a lot easier. I'm so glad you said that. It is not just me. <laughs> it makes it so much easier. Any guy that says that they don't drive on their thing, I'm like, ooh, hmm. I mean, and then I'm thinking about having to take public transportation with them everywhere we go, and how annoying that's going to be. So for me. Uh, you know, when when I'm doing this whole relationship thing and dating, um, I you know I I want to find someone to be with for the long term. That's that's what I want. So I'm not screwing around. I'm not you know I'm out out there just looking for fun. Um, so I, <laughs> as far as like the pictures and people, uh, I actually set up a thing where I take screenshots of their profile pictures and send them to my sister-in-law. And oh, she okay. responds with what they look like, or she'll just say nope. Or hard pass, and then I'm like, okay, no problem. <laughs> um, so she is my she's my confidant and my trusty sidekick when it comes to online dating. So um, that's worked out pretty well, at least. But yeah, still single and still mingling. <laughs> yeah, it's it was a it was a little rough growing up, I guess, because you got people that like jobs they look at you being blind and figure well what can he do for me in a relationship or how is it going to be am i going to have to you know take care of him am i going to have to do this am i going to have to do that mm-hmm. and i tell people before i got 
look, I ain't looking for you to take care of me. I do that myself. I can probably cook better than you can. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, yeah, is I, that look, a crack? No, but I can cook better than you. <laughs> <laughs> so, her, my in-laws actually prefer my cooking at holidays than her, so. Uh, that sounds like a lotus <laughs> I'm just gonna put it out there for everybody no one wanted to respond Sherry we think you're cooking is <laughs> good we don't know for sure but we're it's probably a 50-50 and we are so glad well you all I, I, I can say it because I'm two floors down so I don't have to worry about her doing anything to me right now so <laughs> <laughs> right now being the opposite so part. but i think the other thing that the the blind community has uh issue with is when they lose their sight or when they're blind growing up sheltered they don't get out and meet they don't get out and mingle they don't socialize um i'm an outgoing person um before i got married i was a big flirt so i mean it's just a matter of your personality i guess and knowing that you got to step out and take a risk and not be afraid to meet people, not just dating, but just making friends, period. Again, you can't let one thing define you. You can't let blindness define you. Either you are going to get out there and live and do everything you think you're big and bad enough to do, or you're just going to sit on the couch. I prefer getting out there and doing it all. All right. Looks like we lost a couple of people. So, in ending, Stephanie, um, let's uh, wrap this up and just, I guess we gave advice on how to move forward. You, you know, went from different as night and day as, you know, I mean, wow, I just can't believe you were a parent, had a job, and then almost lost everything, but you but you didn't. And did, did you have a support system in place or did you do it all on your own? No, um, my, my family, oh my gosh, they got right to looking at resources and telling me no matter what, that I was still Stephanie. And so if it wasn't for my family, my church family, um, I don't know where I would be. And then once I got connected with services, that created another family. And right now, my students, I love my students. I love being able to show them how to get their life back, how to apply things, go out there and be, do what they want to do. So again, that's another family. So there's been support yeah. all along the way. And I think that's one reason why I do what I do. I push so hard because I want to live up to all that support that I gave, that I got. I want to be working. Okay. And I, I think in closing, what I'll say is this. I mean, I've been blind most of my life. I went blind when I was three, but that was an age where I really couldn't remember seeing anything anyway. So I think going forward, the best thing I would tell people is there's life after blindness. You know, exercise your resources and, you know, just keep going because it's not over. I mean, you're not, you don't have to sit around and be depressed all day. You, you know, some of us doesn't have the support that others do, but if you don't have it at your immediate disposal, 
go out and get it. Make phone calls. Bother people until they help you. Because that's what I had to do with my resources. I mean, when I, I was first getting out of high school, they didn't want to help me. So I kept calling them until they helped me. So. Yeah, sometimes that squeaky wheel makes gets the grease. We've heard that statement time and time again. But there are things out there. And sometimes the best resources is finding someone who's like yourself in the same situation. You'll probably learn more from them than sitting in the classroom. So get out and find these people. Find support. Find somebody who will take your right. phone call. All right. Thanks to everybody who came on the Stir It Up podcast. Remember, we're on Twitter, Periscope, and WordPress.com. All right, what a great show. Thanks to all our panelists who joined us today. Darkness with a Voice Part 2. We had some technical difficulties, but uh, we, we cleared those up in the end. Coming up on Stir It Up, we got Stephanie Jones, who was on the show today, going to talk to us about a website that her and some other people have launched called Menus for All. Well, you'll hear about that in the next episode with, of course, Sports Talk with OJ. But uh, we got some other good stuff coming up. Me and my wife going to launch a new segment called Reality Check. We're going to talk about parenting, relationships, situations, drama, all kinds of good stuff. So stay tuned for that. Remember, Stir is spelled with the U. We're on Periscope and Twitter at Stir It Up Live. We are on WordPress. That's Stir It Up on uh, .wordpress.com and of course we have the odd message email for questions, comments or requests to be on the show that's stir it up at iCloud.com let's thank Sherry who uh, does the music for the intro and the outro of the show and again thanks for listening and we'll see you next time right here on stir it up <laughs>